I'm Jeannie Anderson with Lucero Ranch in Rio Grande City, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas is ground zero for heat and drought. USDA says we have the worst crop conditions in the nation thanks to all of this drought. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Soybeans are not a major crop for the Texas High Plains. But on Texas Ag Today, we're going to hear from one local farmer who has found a way to make them work for his operation. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story. Common Ground Advocates for Agriculture. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a Central Texas farm wife on her positive messages about agriculture as a member of Common Ground. All on Texas Ag Today. USDA released the July World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report this week. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll look at what the report means for this crop year, coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The summer is getting hotter and drier in nearly every corner of Texas. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says nowhere has it worse than we do here in the Lone Star State. We have seen sustained and severe heat across the south central United States. Texas has been ground zero for this very difficult spring and summer. And so at this point, we're seeing Texas leading the country in a variety of drought categories. Texas is reporting the greatest amount of very poor to poor ratings for a number of crops as well as rangeland and pastures. And the summer heat has been relentless. As recently as Sunday, when this ridge was parked over the south central United States before drifting into the west, we saw some all-time July temperature records set in a number of communities across Texas. Perhaps most impressively, College Station, Texas, 111 degrees last Sunday. That was not only an all-time record for the month of July, breaking a more than century-old record from 1917, but came within one degree of that station's all-time record for any month, which happens to be 112 degrees set back in September of 2000. The heat and drought are causing big lines at Texas livestock auctions this week as producers liquidate herds. The nation's largest food distributor is suing the big four meat packers. 
Cisco filed a federal lawsuit here in Texas accusing the Packers of price fixing. The lawsuit claims Tyson, JBS, Cargill, and National Beef have conspired to suppress the number of cattle slaughtered since 2015 in an effort to drive beef prices higher. Earlier this year, JBS paid a $52.5 million settlement in a different lawsuit, although the company did not admit any wrongdoing as part of the deal. The Texas drought is taking a toll on the cotton crop in most areas of the state, but irrigated acres in the Texas panhandle are holding on for the most part, according to Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. The irrigated has sat there for a long time and really got set back with that cool stuff we had in May and early June, but it's coming on. It's coming on strong. You can dang sure see a change in it week to week. Real close evaluation of it. Most of it is probably... 10 days behind, meaning it's not going to bloom till probably the 25th of July, and we'd like to see it be blooming right now through the 15th is what we'd basically call on time. I haven't heard of a bloom yet. I'm sure there is some patches out there that have some blooms, but the bulk of it's going to be about 7 to 10 days behind, which is okay if we have the right fall. Last year we had a phenomenal fall and finished strong. Key says most of the dry land cotton in his area is done for and has been insuranced out. If you're a Texas High Plains soybean grower, patience is a virtue. James Hunt explains. Like many of his fellow farmers around the region, Steve Yoder is feeling pressure this season from hot temperatures, high winds, and too little rain. But he continues to plug along hoping for better weather. Unlike very many other farmers in our region, Yoder's operation in Dalhart includes soybeans, a crop he says provides good benefits rotation-wise. They are a legume, so they do fix nitrogen of their own. They take it from the air and put it in the soil, so that's one of the main things that we like them for. It helps you to clean up some weeds that are easy to take care of in soybeans that might not be easy to take care of in some of the other crops. Beyond those rotational attributes, soybeans can also deliver some good returns dollar-wise. That's if you're able to sell them, of course. The reason not many farmers in our region grow soybeans is that the nearest crush plants are hundreds of miles away in Kansas. That is one of our biggest challenges is finding a good market for them. You can sell them about anywhere, but to find a good market, sometimes it just takes a little bit. We do have our own grain holding facilities, so we can hold them for a while, and sometimes that really helps so we don't have to deliver them right off the combine. On some occasions, Yoder's soybeans have been purchased by a large grain company for resale in the global market. But again, being able to hold on to those beans until the time is right is a big plus. One year after harvest, we kept them until about August. We harvested them in September, October, and kept them until about August. And then all of a sudden, the world ran out of soybeans, and we still had them, but we had a good market for them. So that's how Steve Yoder is making it work with soybeans. In our next report, we'll talk about another crop he grows that's even more rare for our area, grapes for wine production. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas agriculture needs every advocate it can get. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Central Texas farm wife who's stepping up to take on that role. My guest today is Lindsay Kimbrell. She is uh, from Hillsboro in Central Texas. She is a farmer's wife, does a lot of uh, the bookkeeping on their uh, Central Texas farm, 
And uh, she uh, recently went to southeast Texas to uh, join a number of people to learn more about agriculture in that region of the state. But, uh, Lindsay, uh, you're part of Common Ground. What is Common Ground? Yes, so Common Grounds under the Texas Corn Producers is the area I'm in. It's all over the United States. It's a group of farm wives and farm moms that are able to advocate for ag and be able to have a more personal relationship with people that are not connected with ag. Why is it important for you to be on a trip like this? It's important because I'm able to talk to other bloggers that are in the city that are not connected to agriculture and they're able to see that I'm just a normal person just like they are. We grow their food and fiber, just normal people. Right, and you come from rural Texas, so uh, your influence in getting the word about uh, food and fiber production across uh, the landscape and into urban and suburban Texas and elsewhere is very important. Yes, it is very important. One of our major challenges is urban sprawl, and a lot of people are getting disconnected with agriculture, but yet they're moving into an agriculture area. We want them to know that every time that we're spraying or working in the field, we're not doing anything that's harmful to the food or fiber or doing anything that's not going to be healthy. We know that our food supply is safe. We do what we can to survive just like everybody else does. Our inputs have gone up, but we're still able to provide and, and work on the farm. That is Lindsay Kimbrell, a farm wife from Central Texas and a volunteer for Common Ground. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA released the July World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report this week. Michael Clements takes a look at what the report means for this crop year going forward. USDA's latest WASDE report incorporates data from the June 30th acreage report, but offers little change for now. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Shelby Myers explains. What was most surprising was how lackluster almost the report was. It brought in estimates from the June 30th acreage report, which updated U.S. acre estimates from what farmers said their intended planted acres were going to be in March to what they actually planted throughout the spring. And the other surprising thing is some of the unchanged yields for corn and soybeans, but a slight increase for wheat yields. We do see widespread drought conditions that may or may not influence how those yields change over the next couple of weeks. USDA made slight changes for larger domestic supplies of corn and wheat, but a slightly lower supply of soybeans, aligning with the June 30th acreage report. So for corn, we do see an increase to ending stocks for the upcoming year, while soybeans, we're going to see a decrease in production because of lower acreage. But I think it's important to note for corn and soybeans, USDA still has just over 4 million acres of corn and over 15 million acres of soybeans that need to be resurveyed from the June 30th acreage report that could continue to influence those numbers going forward. So we don't actually have all the information just yet. Myers adds that weather conditions over the next few weeks will be key. For the next couple of weeks, certainly the average farm price is going to play into this. USDA lowered the average farm price for corn and wheat due to those larger supplies, but also lowered the farm price for soybeans due to lower production. So we're going to keep an eye on farm prices, and what's really going to play into that is how weather changes over the next couple of weeks. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. If you're planning a hunting trip this fall, you'll want to listen to today's white-tailed deer forecast by region. I'm Jessica Domel, and that's coming up on Texas Ag Today. And lameness is common in show pigs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lameness is common in show pigs. Dr. Bob Judd says knowing the cause of the lameness can help in preventing it. Causes of lameness in show pigs can be multiple, beginning with the confirmation of a specific pig. Dr. Jody Sturl is the Texas A&M Extension Swine Specialist, and she indicates many lameness problems are caused by abnormal alignment of the feet, legs, and joints. This is the reason it is so important to carefully examine all show pigs before purchasing, as any abnormality is likely to get worse and not better with time due to the added weight. The pig should stand wide at the base and step out with a long, easy stride versus those pigs that seem tight and stiff as they move. Dr. Sterl indicates she sees a pattern in which show pig producers have a tendency to select pigs for breeding with straighter legs, which makes them taller. However, this also increases stress on their legs as the angulation in the joints helps with shock absorption with movement. The more heavily muscled the pigs, the greater chance that structural problems can affect their performance in the show ring. Animals that roach or have an arc in their backs are usually heavily muscled and may develop severe structural problems causing problems in the ring. The extra muscle puts lots of stress on the bones and causes lameness. The flooring is also important as although cement is great for disinfection, it can be hard on the feet and legs. Regardless of the floor, make sure it is not slippery when wet, both in your barn and trailer. A bacterial infection called mycoplasma can cause joint infections and lameness, and early treatment with antibiotics is usually effective. Delaying the treatment leads to joint damage and likely permanent lameness, so lameness should be treated aggressively. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're planning a deer hunting trip this fall, Jessica Domel has the white-tailed deer forecast in today's wildlife report. Today we have an expanded deer hunting forecast by region. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said the Edwards Plateau in the south-central part of the state has the highest deer population in Texas, about 1.9 million deer. Mason and Landon County have some of the highest deer density in the, in the state. Around a deer for every four acres is what our regulatory surveys estimate. In the hill country, hunters should expect to see fewer bucks in the four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half-year-old range because of poor fawn recruitment in 2017 and 18. Hunters will likely notice a larger class of young to middle-aged bucks and may consider passing one of those up for a doe. If hunters are looking for an older age class buck in that region, they should consider hunting in the area between Hondo and Del Rio, north of Highway 90. The Cross Timbers region in North Texas has the second highest deer population in Texas at around 880,000 head. Buck age structure there is generally well distributed across all age classes, according to Kane's forecast. South Texas is known for its mature bucks and above-average antler quality relative to most other areas of the state. The population there has been growing slowly over the past five years. 
Kane said harvest is expected to be up this year, but antler quality in that region is expected to be below average with the poor to marginal habitat conditions and hot temperatures compared to previous years. We'll have the forecast for the other regions of the state on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's been a good week so far in the cattle futures market, but things pulled back on Thursday. We ended up in the red on both live and feeder cattle, and the cotton market continues its free fall. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We've watched a nice climb in the cattle futures market this week, but on Thursday, the market slowed down a bit. We ended up closing lower across the board on both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle down $1.47 to close at $135.40. October down $1.35, $139.92. December live cattle dropped $1.35, $146.30. Feeder cattle market lower as well. August feeders dropped $1.90, $178.90. The September down $1.00. $1.45 $1.45 at $181.62. October feeder cattle down $1.17, $183.82. Cash fed cattle market seeing sales here in the south at $137. That's steady with last week's sales. Up north, we're seeing higher money once again this week. Live sales have ranged from $145 to $50. Dressed sales up north mostly at $230. Boxed beef, higher Thursday, choice was up 19 cents, 268.24. Select up $1.21 at 242.47. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, we're selling cattle in Texas. Let's head to Abilene, talk to Henry Pickett about the sale he had. Henry, I understand it was a good one. It was a long sale. We ended up with a, right at 2,200 total cattle with about 600 cows. Tiger cows were 8 to 10 cheaper. Tiger bulls were solid $10 a hundred cheaper. Uh, still pretty good demand for our yearling calves. They were off probably 5 to 8. And light calves, they were probably off 10. But still had a lot of demand at a figure. And I don't know where they're going with them, but hopefully it'll continue for another few few more weeks. Are people just pulling the plug in your country? There's nothing to do. The folks that are in the cattle business for the long haul, are they getting down to the cows they're going to keep? I think some of them have already, have already thinned out. And these are what they were going to keep. Okay. I think the situation's getting more serious as far as water. And a lot of people in this part of the world don't have any uh, groundwater. It's mainly.
mainly rural water or right. tank water. The, the drought's been going on for so long that they're about out of water. Yeah, well, we're in that, that same kind of condition up here. Uh, you know, we've had 10 or 12 days of 100-degree temperature, which is very unusual uh, with the promise of more. So there's a lot of cattle coming to town up here, too. Now, what do you think about next week? Same song, second verse? Uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be near as bad. The main reason we had, a, we had a lot of numbers wasn't only the dry weather, but we didn't have a sale during the 4th of July, so we kind of picked up some of that slack from uh, right. missing that. But I think it'll still continue until we get some general rain across the whole area. Right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Henry Pickett. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell number is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Texas neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins. I put it together every day here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs finished mixed on Thursday. July hogs up 42 cents, 114.92. The August down 92 cents, 109.57. Class 3 milk was lower. July milk down 9 cents, 22.63 a hundredweight. August milk down 49 at 20.46 a hundred. The meltdown continues in the cotton market. Another day of limit down trade on the nearby contracts. Funds have been liquidating their positions on fears that rising interest rates will cut demand for cotton apparel and products. Also, Thursday's export sales report didn't look all that great. China announcing it's reducing its import forecast for the season by some 8 million bales due to COVID-19 lockdowns. All of those continuing to weigh on the cotton market. October limit down 400 points to close at 91.41. December cotton down 400 points down the limit. 83.71 cents. The corn market finished mixed. The nearby July contract very lightly traded, getting ready to go off the board here soon, down 45 cents to close at 695 a bushel. September corn was up a nickel, 605, while December corn was up five and three quarters, 601 a bushel. The wheat market finishing lower on both hard and soft wheat. A strengthening dollar keeping a lid on wheat prices right now. September Kansas City wheat down 13 and a half, 848 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down 15 and three quarters at 795 a bushel. In the energy markets, August natural gas unchanged at 669. August crude oil up 12 cents, 96.42 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 159 points, 30,612. The Nasdaq up 3, 11,251, while the S&P was down 14 at 3,787. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.